This is the podcast for the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. I'm Cynthia Graber. The recreational drug MDMA, also known as ecstasy or molly, is particularly popular in social settings and raves, in large part because of how socially connected it makes the users feel. It's being studied for use in psychotherapy. There's a phase three clinical trial for the use of MDMA to treat PTSD. What's clear is that the drug affects how users experience social interactions. But there are questions. Does the drug make positive social interactions feel better or reduce the negative feelings associated with negative social interactions? And for the latest study in the journal Neuropsychopharmacology, Anya Brashad, a psychiatry resident at UCLA Hospital, wanted to learn something further about how the drug works. At the time, she was doing research under the supervision of Dr. Harriet DeWitt of the University of Chicago. And she and her colleagues took their inspiration from rats. In rats, it causes a behavior called adjacent lying. So if you give to rats, MDMA, they'll spend much more time in in close proximity with each other, but doing this particular behavior where they kind of sidle up to each other and lie right next to each other. And it's amazing because if you look at pictures of these rats next to pictures of a rave, for example, humans do a very similar thing when they've taken MDMA. Um, So this experience of, of touch and social closeness with other members of our species is not unique to humans, but but rats do a similar thing also. So what were your questions in the study? We had, as a lab, kind of been investigating some of the questions of how MDMA might modulate social perception in humans who take it. And much of the previous research had kind of focused on this idea of how MDMA might affect the way we perceive emotional facial expressions in other people, for example. But no previous study had really focused on this aspect of social touch that MDMA seems to to really modulate, both in rats and in humans. And this kind of affective or social touch can be hard to model, but we found a touch paradigm where we could simulate affective touch in our human volunteers and really isolate the question of how MDMA affects the experience of this touch, whether it makes social touch more pleasant. What is effective touch and how did you model that? So effective touch is a touch that is different than what we call discriminative touch. So if you bump into a table, for instance, you know that you've bumped into the table, but it has no kind of emotional associations. It turns out you have a particular set of of neurons called C-tactile afferents that are sensitive to stroking at a specific velocity. And this is a a velocity that people who are close to one another will automatically stroke each other at if you tell them to sort of touch each other in a loving way, for example, at the frequency that feels best to them. And touch at this frequency stimulates this specific population of neurons that signal kind of the emotional component of being touched. And in our study, we used a, a brush as kind of a standardized way to administer this touch. And we had a research assistant with each participant behind a curtain, and we would brush their arms with this, essentially a paintbrush, it's made out of goat hair, at different frequencies. So either at a very quick frequency, which isn't doesn't feel very pleasant, people don't experience this touch as very pleasant, or at this slow affective touch frequency, which is about three centimeters per second. So you had 36 healthy adult volunteers in their 20s with no history of health or mental health issues. They all had used the drug a small number of times before, and they came to your lab for four different sessions. They took either a small dose of MDMA, a larger dose of MDMA that was equivalent to what someone might take at a rave, a dose of another stimulant, methamphetamine, or a placebo. 
And then what did you do during the sessions? We did a bunch of baseline measurements. So we checked um, a urine drug screen to make sure they hadn't taken any other substances recently. And then we did a bunch of baseline mood questionnaires with them. We administered the capsule and then um, we waited for peak drug effect, which is about an hour, an hour and a half after they've taken the the capsule. And then at peak drug effect, we did our touch task. And we had one task that I was describing earlier with the, where they um, had their arms brushed by a research assistant. And then they filled out questionnaires about the experience of that touch. And then another task where they watched videos of other people being touched. So they watched somebody's arm with somebody else stroking their arm and then rated how pleasant that experience was for them. So what did you learn from their responses to effective touch under the influence of MDMA at the recreational dose? Yeah, so we were very pleased to find that MDMA increased how pleasant our participants said the touch was, but only this touch at the affective frequency. So it didn't just increase the pleasantness of touch overall. And similarly, this effect was specific to MDMA. So our control, our positive control stimulant methamphetamine did not produce the same effects. So that was a really interesting finding. And, and we were interested to know that it was limited to this, this affective touch. It's not, people think of the experience of taking a drug as um, the drug just kind of makes everything better. Um, but this is a very specific effect that we found. It's specifically touch at the frequency that stimulates these C-tactile afferents, which are involved in, in responding to social stimuli. You talked about particular neurons, but do scientists understand how this works mechanistically in the brain? We don't. So there's a lot of debate, and there's some evidence that the administration of oxytocin itself can change the way people perceive touch. MDMA, the administration of MDMA increases plasma oxytocin levels. So if you give someone the amount of MDMA that we were giving in the study at the high dose, there's a large increase in plasma oxytocin. If you give somebody just intranasal oxytocin directly, there's a much smaller increase in plasma oxytocin. So MDMA causes a dramatic increase in this hormone. It's still not known and it's still very sort of hotly debated in the field to what extent this increase in oxytocin is driving the so-called prosocial effects of MDMA. Um, some people have suggested that the plasma increase in oxytocin isn't in fact related to the prosocial behaviors that you see. MDMA has a lot of serotonergic activity in the brain as compared to some of the other stimulants, and it may be the case that that this is underlying some of the changes in response to these types of stimuli. Um, but it's still a very open question. Obviously, it's one of the problems is that in humans, we only have a limited set of tools to kind of understand the neurochemistry of what's happening in different areas of the brain. But as far as localizing these effects in the brain, it's it's really hard. Likewise, it's hard in rodents to like ask them about the pleasantness of social touch. <laughs> and so we're kind of limited by some of those limitations of the techniques. What are the potential therapeutic implications of understanding this impact on effective touch? That's a good question. I think psychiatry as a field is not quite in a place where we're considering using a lot of sort of tactile therapies and in our practice. But I think it's sort of an interesting future direction. And autism is certainly one of the areas in which this is a really sort of active focus of the field, because um, there's so much therapeutic value to be derived from different types of 
of touch therapy for reduction of anxiety and for just general, generally a sense of well-being in some of these kids with autism spectrum disorders. Obviously, we're a long way off from administering this, this medication to these populations. But there has been one study that came out, I think, a couple of years ago showing that, that MDMA significantly reduces social anxiety in adults with autism spectrum disorder. So that's sort of a first step toward, toward exploring some of those questions. And so what do you consider the particular strengths and weaknesses of the study? One of the strengths of the study and studies like this is that it's conducted in an extremely highly controlled laboratory setting where basically every factor that we can control for in human subjects we've controlled for. Um, it's like a standardized environment. Everybody is compared to their own placebo baseline. They, they do the drug in a, um, a laboratory sort of living room setup. We know exactly what they're doing for the four hours of, of each session. So we're really minimizing variability. And I think that is great. I think one of the limitations is that in the real world, there's a lot more variability. The patients who are coming in for for different types of therapy have a much more um, have much more varied psychiatric histories than than the individuals we recruited. So, how much we can extend these results to clinical populations is still still an open question. Dr. Bershad says the next steps for her and her colleagues include incorporating MRI imaging to the study to understand what parts of the brain might be changing their responsiveness to effective touch under MDMA. This is the podcast for the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. To read the article discussed in the podcast, go to www.nature.com/npp. I'm Cynthia Graber.